living God of abundance, whose name is love. We, your people, pray your message of love and grace would root in our hearts so we can do your work and will in the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Lauren Dockery. I'm the Director of Children and Youth Ministries here. I hope you recognize me, but just in case. Something you may not know about me is that in my many adventures of different kinds of church work, I was once an intern at the Camp and Retreat Center in the Diocese of Hawaii, which is called Camp Moka'ilea. It's a lot like our Camp and Retreat Center here, Bellwether. They lead local retreats, um, and there are hermitages there for people who want to have their own personal spiritual retreats. Uh, they host summer camps, and they even have an organic farm that provides uh, fresh produce to the kitchen. The only difference is that the ocean is about 100 feet away from <laughs> Camp Mokalea. When I worked there, I worked with three other interns, and we were responsible for running the farm. We planted and tended and harvested bananas, papayas, herbs, lettuce, squash, tomatoes, and lots of other things. I learned about tropical produce and soil pH and permaculture and all other kinds of things, but what I found most interesting was compost. I could tell you horror stories about turning compost while I was in flip-flops and getting banana goo between my toes, but I won't tell you that. Instead, I will say, I was always amazed that stinky, rotten, decaying food scraps can mix together with brittle, dried out, leafless plant life to make good soil. Honestly, I still love composting so much that my New Year's resolution this year was to have a successful compost pile here in Cleveland. Um, and by successful, I mean it will not freeze this winter. That is my hope. I've lived here for 11 years now, and every single year my compost pile has frozen. So this year I've checked my compost pile every single day. I turn it at least three times a week, and I am obsessively careful about the balance of carbon, which is the, excuse me, the brown, dry, dead things, and nitrogen, which is the green, sometimes rotting uh, things that I put in there. I've recruited neighbors and friends to bring lawn clippings when I need more ground, uh, excuse me, more green. And when I need extra brown, I've asked friends to bring dryer lint and brown paper bags that I then shredded by hand to add to my compost pile. I'll let you know how it goes, but all of this to say that good soil has been on my mind this year. So it didn't seem like a coincidence to me when I realized that Jeannie had asked me to preach on the Sunday when we hear this parable about good soil. And we also hear this beautiful passage that Lori read for us today from the book of Isaiah about God using the rhythms of nature to bring abundance and joy. So as a former farmer, this parable that Jesus gives is puzzling to me. In the parable, the farmer is flinging seeds all willy-nilly on the path, in the rocks, among the thorns, and finally, on some good soil, where we know that the plants can take root and sprout, grow strong, and flourish into an abundant harvest. So why does the sower waste seed and time by 
flinging it in places where we know it can't grow. If you look at your bulletin and see the verses that we read today, you'll notice that in this chapter, there are some verses that we skipped in the reading. In this brief section that we skipped, the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, why are you teaching these people in confusing parables that they won't understand? Jesus replies with a quote from the book of Isaiah. He says, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled. These people can't hear, they can't see, and they can't understand. Their hearts have grown dull, and they won't turn to me to be healed. This quote comes from an early chapter in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, when the prophet is rebuking the people of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah for betraying their covenant with God. The leaders in Israel and Judah are worshiping idols, refusing to support the vulnerable in their committee, excuse me, in their community, the orphans, the immigrants, and the widows. By quoting this chapter from early Isaiah, Jesus is comparing the ancient kingdoms of Judah and Israel to the people in front of him some 800 years later. These people are also incapable of understanding. Jesus follows this answer with, uh, by uncharacteristically explaining a parable to the disciples. I always tell the children in our godly play uh, program that parables are hard to get into and hard to understand. But this one, Jesus just opens right up and explains. He says, the people who hear the word and do not understand it have, snatched it, have, have it snatched away by the evil one. The people who rejoice in the word, but are still too caught up in the world as it is, they are like the seeds planted on the rocks where, the can, where they cannot take root. People who are enamored by the trappings of this world hear the mes message and it is choked out by the things they love. In the metaphor of the parable, the seeds are messages of good news and hope. In the four places where the seeds are planted, the path, the rocks, the thorns, and finally the good soil, are like states of mind or ways of living. So what are we to do when we are not in the good soil state of mind and a good word comes our way? All of us have times when we are confused by Jesus' messages and confusing words, or times when we are excited and inspired by a message on a Sunday morning but by Monday afternoon, we can't quite remember what we heard and what it meant. Sometimes we are in a place where we are so overcome by the worries and luxuries of this world, the worries, things like our homework, our retirement funds, the, politic, the political division of our government, our personal safety, that we can't pay attention or even believe in a message of love from Jesus. So again, when this happens, what are we to do if we are not in a good soil state of mind? This question brings me back to the book of Isaiah, not the chapter that Jesus quotes in the parable, but a chapter, that, again, that uh, Lori read for us today, chapter 55. By this point, the prophet is finished rebuking the people for their bad actions, and he has begun to imagine a glorious reconciliation when the people do recite, decide to repent and turn back to God. God says through Isaiah 
that the rain and snow fall from me and they do not come back until the water has nurtured the seeds that the sower has sowed. The waters make grain to make bread, which feeds the people. Anything I send out does not come back to me empty. There will be joy and peace. Trees will clap, mountains will sing. Thorns will become lovely trees and briars will become myrtle. What a hopeful message. I think about what one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Richard Rohr, said in his book about the spirituality of the 12 steps. It's called Breathing Underwater. He says, God never shows up without an invitation, but God always makes a way to be invited. In the context of the 12 steps, this quote implies that even the devastations of addiction can be God's created invitation to someone who might be dodging a spiritual path while they're living in the midst of their addiction. And as troubling as it might be to think about the devastation of addiction as a gift, it is a prime example of the way that God works with whatever we give. Much like the rotting food and the dried out lifeless plants that become rich nutrient soil, God takes what feels disgusting or abhorrent to us and uses it as an invitation to make something new. God's love chases after us because God longs to give us the gift of new life and new ability to understand the good news of love and grace in the world. What God sends out will not come back empty. So how do these two passages speak to each other today? The Isaiah passage and the parable. We know Jesus' knowledge and love of scripture, uh, so I can't imagine that he accidentally made up a parable that was so closely resembled this Isaiah 55 chapter, where there's a sower that plants seeds and thorns that become fruitful. Jesus knows that he might be flinging parables into the ears of people who do not have the ability to understand his message. But he also knows that God will not stop moving until all of us are ready to live in the good soil state of mind. God's love uses dried out thorns to balance the rotten thoughts that make good soil. God's grace blows the wind which pushes the good soil onto the path until it too is covered up and ready to nourish seeds. Jesus knows that our state of mind can and will be changed. God is making good soil in you. When you're ready, you will hear. Amen.